just want to thank you for Josh. I want to thank you for everything that he does, both in this country and abroad. Lord God, I thank you for the lives that um, he's touched, Lord God, but he's touched through being a servant for you and uh, listening to you and passing on what you've got to say to people. So God, I just ask tonight that you'd speak to us through Josh and in him giving that tonight as well, God, as well Lord God, you just bless him. Lord God, that you'd fill him up. Uh, with your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that he might just have a real uh, energy from you for the things that he needs to um, do for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Great. Just turn that on. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you very much. That was awesome. And that last song was pretty much summed up a bit about what I want to share about today. Um, it's been a real passion and a desire that the Lord has laid upon our hearts to tell people about Jesus, but also to encourage you guys that out there in your community, out there wherever you are, you are to be his witnesses. You are to share the love of God with people. And uh, we encourage people uh, to do two things, one of which I'm a bit hesitant in saying I'll tell that in a moment. Uh, number one is to pray for people you know that aren't saved. We, it, it's amazing what happens. And I don't want to go too much, but I'm going to speak about it in a minute. But number two is to pray that God will raise up workers. Now, I have to say, firstly, an apology to John. And thank you for John at the same time. Because I came here once, I popped a lung just to pop in. And I said that we're changing the name of our ministry to Ten Two Trust. Because it was based on Luke Ten Two, which says... The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send their harvesters into the harvest field. So John said that he, and he encouraged his elders, is that right, and your leaders, to set a reminder in the phone at two minutes past ten, on the phone every day, to pray for workers to be raised up to work in the church. So I did the same, and my apology is that I kind of told everyone I go to around the country to do the same also. And, uh, but I always share your story, because it's so encouraging to hear. And I believe that actually... Uh, that, 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 that praying for people to get saved and praying for people to, to be raised up as workers come together in, in one in one and when the two come together amazing things happen uh, so just a story a few months ago I was out on the streets of Wolverhampton with my friend Liam who's a worship leader at All Nations Church and um, we were out on the streets we were out in somewhere called West Park doing evangelism and we saw a lady there who we found out was a, a, a daughter and a dad and um, we just stepped up to her and if you ever if I could ever give anyone a tip to how to approach someone to pray for them, simply go up to them, hello, are you okay? Because I saw you got sick. And it's amazing how people want to tell you how they're feeling. And this, this girl told us this story, how she was working, her knee popped out, and uh, all the ligaments in between her knees were, were ripped away, and she's in terrible pain, and she said she's taking tablets, but she can't take the tablets anymore because they affect her so much. And so she said one of the favourite things I, I love to hear when people when I ask to pray for people, she said, and the doctors have said that they can't do anything else for me. And I was like, yes. And so I prayed for her and I said, move your knee. And she was like, you know, you know, that feels a bit better. I said, oh, that's cool. Can I pray again? She was like, yeah. And she was like, there's no pain. I'm like, really? And she told us there was a grinding in her knee because there was no ligament in her knee. So I said, can I is the grinding still there? She said, yeah, the grinding's still there. And she, she moved her knee again after we prayed for her again. And the pain stopped and the grinding stopped. She was walking with a crutch for one year. I said to her, right, okay, 
I want you to walk with me. She picked up a crutch and I said, no, 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 no. Leave that with Liam and you walk. And if you need to fall out and catch me, then you fall out and catch me and we'll walk together. And you know something? She walked without the crutch for the first time in over a year. She walked around Wolverhampton like this, like this afterwards. It was great. Then we started to pray for her dad. And we found out that also he had bad knees. We started to pray for her dad and he was also healed. He was also touched by God. Then we, he told us this. He said... My daughters, my two other daughters, came to know Jesus. They became Christians, and they've started going to church. And what they're doing is they're praying for me to come to know Jesus. Isn't that amazing? People are praying for their loved ones to get saved, to come to know Jesus. Other people are praying for workers to be raised up. The workers have been raised up, gone to meet the people, gone to meet a person who someone else is praying for to come to know Jesus. The Bible says... One person sows, another person reaps. And if you get to sow, but you don't see the reward, don't worry. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to pray, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Whenever we pray, we have to have eternal perspective. What we do in life echoes in eternity. That's not in the Bible, that's from Gladiator. But what, seriously, you know, we might not see the reward that we reap until we get to heaven, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop. See, I'm blessed, I'm an evangelist. I get to go into places where people have been sown for 10, 20 years, and I get to go in and take all the glory and take all the, you know, all the people get saved, and I go, it's great. But friends, we couldn't do it. And I believe that there's a time coming when you guys here, you're going to see a harvest. You're going to see the fruit of what you've been sowing. And so I want to just talk today a bit about the Great Commission. And, um, stop watch. And uh, I just, I was, I really had this on my heart, the Great Commission, and um, what does it mean in all this? And I came up with two words that I believe the Great Commission shares with us. Number one is go. Number two is grow. And I'll share with you that in a moment. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28. And read the Great Commission. Um, is it going to come up on the screen? Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Great. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is the, the commission was one of Jesus' final words to his disciples. And he told his final words before he left the earth. He said, Go. Jesus said, go. He said, go into the bars and the clubs. He said, go into the brothels. Go into the industrial areas. Go into your workplaces. Go into your communities. Go, go, go. Because why? Why did he say go? Very simple. The people are out there. It might sound really simple, and it might sound very, I'm a very simple person, but the simple thing is, where are the people? Well, they're not in here with respect. They're out there. 
And you've been placed in a position. You have a divine purpose on this earth. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. You have a divine purpose on this earth. And God has placed you exactly where you are today. You're not in this position by accident. You're here because God put you here. You're there for a reason. And that is to glorify his name. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the tiniest seed that you can ever imagine. And he said when it's planted, it grows to become the greatest tree. It grows so everyone can see it all around. And I believe passionately that we are to go and let our seed grow so that the whole earth, everyone around us can see the glory of God through us. Not to bring glory to ourselves. So what did Jesus mean by go? Friends, let me say again, we are all called to go. Every single one of us are called to go. It's not for the elect few. It's not for those who stand here or sit on these seats with a microphone. It's not for that Mike Pelavachi on the, on the Soul Survivor big top stage, whatever it's called. It's not for those who do seminars at Soul Survivor. It's not for those who are preaching uh, in, in massive churches in America. It's not for missionaries. Every single one of us are called to go. Evangelist J. John says this. Write this down if you're making notes because this is really good. And it's not mine, it's this. So, quote him. A missionary is not someone who crosses the sea. It's someone who sees the cross. Let me say that again. A missionary is not someone who crosses the sea. It's someone who sees the cross. And we're here today. And we, if we've seen the cross, we are called to go. That's you and that's me. And I think we have to clarify one thing. Just a bit of theology to clarify this thing. We're not all called to be evangelists. Controversial. There's a difference between an evangelist and a witness. An evangelist is someone in the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, pastor, prophet, teacher, um, evangelist. By the way, evangelist is mentioned four times, pastor one, just saying. Um, and they're one of those things who are, built, who are here to edify the church, to build up the church, to build up the anointing, the gifting that God has put on them to serve the church, to make the church grow. And the Bible says that when the fivefold ministry are all in unity, then the church will grow. If you read Ephesians chapter 4. But a witness is someone who testifies to what has happened in their own life. A witness is everyone. We're all called to go. We're all called to go with all authority. Matthew 28 verses 18 says this. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been, and earth has been given to me. And he gives it to us. You are equipped with everything that heaven has. He gives it to you and he sends you out with it. How awesome is that? Everything Jesus had, you have. Everything in the storehouse in heaven, you have. And at the very end of the Great Commission, he says this, which is really, really cool. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. If we look back in the Old Testament, and I love the Old Testament, and... Um, Look at Exodus, and God called Moses, and he called Moses, and Moses had the burning bush, and he was like, yeah, God, send me back, I'm going to send you back, God says, he's like, no, 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 he's like, no, I'm going to send you back, and he comes to loads of excuses as to say, no, God, you can't send me, because I can't speak properly, you can't send me, because of this, this, and this, and in the end, it goes, God, who will I say sent me? I can't go there and say, you know, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent me. And, and God said, okay, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you all authority. And he said, this is who sent you. I am. And Moses must have been like, 
Okay, what are you sending me with again? Are you sending me with a special stick to sort people? No, he said, I am, because everything that ever needed is in Jesus. Everything that Moses ever needed was in those names, I am. I'm your fortress, I'm your shield, I'm your protector, I'm your authority, I am everything. Jesus sends us out with everything he has at his disposal, and it's all there for you to take hold of. That's so awesome. Everything he has is yours. And we should go with that authority that he has given us. So the question is, of course, where do we go? Where do we go to Africa? Do we go to Zimbabwe? Well, I believe in Jesus in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That power that God gives, the authority that God gives, it will come upon you. You will receive power. And then he says, go therefore... And he says, into Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was geographical. Jerusalem was the city where they were. The Judea and Samaria was the country that they were in. And to the ends of the earth, well, it's to the ends of the earth, just in case needed to clarify that one. He sent us to these places. And some people here today, you may have been called, you may be called one day, not necessarily today, you may be called to go to the ends of the earth. You may be, some of you, I've been called to go to the ends of the earth. That's not a boastful thing, please don't take it that way, but I believe God's asked me to go to the ends of the earth. Whether that's Zimbabwe, whether that's Israel, whether it's Canada, whether it's Poland, wherever it is, God's called me to go there, so I'm going to go. But God has called everyone to go to their Jerusalem. And I've been guilty, if I'll be completely honest, I've been guilty of bypassing my Jerusalem all too often. And actually God calls us to our Jerusalem. What is our Jerusalem? Well, if we look at Jerusalem for the disciples, where was it? Well, it was the place where they lived. And it was the place where they failed Jesus the most. Think about it. In that moment, every single one of them, apart from John, legged it when Jesus needed them the most. That was the place where Jesus, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. That was the place of their greatest failure. The first place that Jesus sent them was the place of their greatest failure. Where is it that we tend to fail the most in our witnessing? It's our families, it's our friends, and it's, it's the ones closest to us. Why? Because they know us the best. People come up to my mum once, I remember a few years ago at our annual celebration for our ministry, we had a, a lady called Christine Dark come to speak. And she's a, a, a great lady and a great woman of God, a modern-day Deborah. And um, she came to speak, and I said, oh, Christine, this is my mom. And she went, oh, oh, what's your name? She said, oh, my name's Annette. Oh, you must be so blessed to have a son like you. And I was sitting there going, yeah, you are. And uh, then she took, my mom turned around to Christine, and this is what she said. She says, oh, you just don't know me. I'm like, oh, thanks, mom. But isn't it true that those who live closest to us, those in our immediate circle, they're the ones who know us the best. And they will pick us up. They'll be like, you could, you could live 99 days out of 100 com- with complete integrity, complete purity, complete purity of thought, of mind, of speech, and all these things. And that one day when you sleep up, they will hammer you for that one day. You call yourself a Christian. Look what you've just done. And it's like that. But God calls us to be our witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our families, in our circle of influence, in your colleges, in your university, in your workplace, wherever it is, God calls you to let your light, let his light shine through you. I went to a, um, 
at a conference over the weekend. It was a really great leadership conference um, in Wolverhampton. And the pastor was from America, and he, and he told us these two, he told us the parables. One of them appears in Mark's Gospel, and the other one in Matthew's Gospel, and he told us the difference. It's the, 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 the parable of the seed. And he said in one of them, I think it was Mark Gospel, he, he scatters the seed, and the seed, is the, the, the seed is the word, and you are the sower. But in, in Matthew's Gospel, you notice that Jesus is the sower, and you are the seed. Why? Because Jesus has put the word inside of you, and he scatters us to go out into our world. He scatters us to go into our Jerusalem. Friends, we are all called to go with all authority behind us. I often find it's a, it's a different style of evangelism when you're, when you're reaching out. It's a different style of witnessing to when you're reaching out to those in your immediate community. And I think the grow part is going to be the biggest testimony of that. But friends, I, I encourage you, some of you may already know this, but I encourage you to build relationships with those who are around you. Build close relationships with your friends and your family. Sometimes I, I feel in, in churches, and I know it's the same for me, that we spend so much time on talking about community and all these good things are good. And I believe in community and I believe they're really important. And we have to grow in a context of a community. But we also we kind of neglect reaching out to people. We kind of neglect just going to have... So actually, I can't go to house group today because I'm actually going to go and sit with this non-Christian friend. Now, I'll, I'll let John come up and tell you whether that's what he wants you to do or not. If I was leaving the church, that's what I'd do. But anyway, um, um, but submit to me, he's the authority, he's the leader. Um, but I believe it's important to build relationships and simply scatter seed. Simply scatter seed. You know, people seem to think that um, they've got to meet someone, lead them to Christ, heal them, get them filled with the Holy Spirit, get them there, knock them dead, raise them up so they can be alive again. So it doesn't have to happen immediately. Sometimes it happens days and years after. I've heard people who, are, who, who have been witnessing to people for years and years and years, and it took so many years for them to come to know Jesus. There's a guy that, I was speaking in the church this morning, and there was a guy, there's a guy who sometimes comes to that church. What, when he was first planted about a year ago, he was coming every week. He came with a bad wrist. We prayed for his wrist. He was completely healed. And he was having words spoken into his life. He was hearing the gospel every single week. He was, amazing things were happening in his life. God was doing incredible things. And he still isn't a Christian. You think to yourself, what do you need to do for you to come? You've seen the glory of God in your life, and you want to, you're still not a believer? But it takes time because you have to water the seed. You have to plant the seed. And our job is to plant it and to water it. And I wrote in my notes, pray, 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 pray. Friends, get a list. Write it down. People you don't know who know Jesus, those of you people in your Jerusalem, write them down. Pray for them every single day. Pray for God's kingdom come, God's will to be done. Why? Because it's God's will that not one person should perish. Every single day, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And every single person on the list, every single day, I've only started doing that in the last probably six months. And this is the thing I've noticed the most. It's interesting. You see, when you pray, what happens is it changes other people's circumstance. But actually, a lot of the time, prayer affects you. And I've noticed to some of these people I've been praying for for the last six or so months, I've noticed that, yeah, okay, there's a bit of a softening in heart towards some of these people. But the thing I've noticed the most is that my attitude towards these people have changed. And 
and new compassion and a new burden to see these people come to know Jesus and a new burden to love these people and have compassion on these people and a new kind of patience that's come upon me with these people because I've started praying for them. So God says, go into all the world. And the second part is to make disciples. To make disciples. If you type into Google what is a disciple, you're going to have loads. So I came up with this definition of a disciple, calling together Bible dictionaries, dictionary.com and all these things. And this is my definition of a disciple. A disciple is a person who follows Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is someone who believes in his doctrine, rests on his sacrifice, lives in the power of the Holy Spirit and imitates his example. And if you want to be a true disciple of Jesus, I'm going to put the, the disclaimer out there now. It's hard. It requires a sacrifice. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, it says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not hear his own, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And verse 33 says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he cannot all that he has cannot be my disciple. Disciples require sacrifice. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have to give up everything. But it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, some of you were there at Momentum, and who was the guy, the funny one? He did all that jumping on the stage. Tim, Tim Ross, Tim Ross. And I remember what he said. He said, you know, that Jesus said to the, the people, he said, if you eat of my body and you drink of my blood then you can be my disciple and he told it funnier than I would want to tell it and they all legged it and they all went away and notice what Jesus did he went okay see that he's like no no come he wasn't like no no come back I'll do this I'll do this he said no 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 what did the disciples turn around he turned to his disciples and said are you going to go and they turned around and said to him Jesus where are we going to go you've got the words of eternal life and if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, we're going to have to follow him, even to death. I know not all of them, don't worry, that's not, I'm trying to put it off, but that's the truth. Are you prepared to die for Jesus? And that's a challenge that I'd like to say yes, but when the time comes, I hope I have the strength to say yes, and I pray that I have the strength to say yes. But, you know, discipleship, to be a disciple of Jesus requires sacrifice. It requires a real, hard sacrifice. But it's worth it. And I believe passionately that if you want to make disciples first of all you've got to be a disciple first of all you've got to be a disciple of Jesus so we go and we grow we grow ourselves and we help to grow others in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 uh, Paul gives Paul gives Timothy these instructions let no one despise you for your youth but set the believers an example in speech in conduct in love in faith in purity See, we need to be living our lives in these. A disciple has a devoted prayer life. A disciple has a devoted devotional life. A disciple has a devoted family life in the context of a community. A disciple has a devoted evangelistic life. And that's what a disciple is. He's devoted. And there's a word that encompasses all those things. Discipline. We need to have extreme discipline to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And friends, I would say, this, is a bit, this might sound a bit harsh, 
This might sound a bit harsh, but it's the truth. Friends, if you gave your life to Jesus 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 10 seconds ago, 5 minutes ago, whatever it was, if you have not changed since that moment, then there's something wrong because the gospel requires a changed life. The gospel requires us to change our life. And you might say, well, how do I do that? I believe it's all there in a prayer and devotional life. R.T. Kendall suggests that we should be spending an hour a day with the Lord. An hour a day with Jesus. And then he says, for those of you who are pastors and ministers in the full-time ministry, and that's everyone, but it means leading churches and stuff like that, you should be spending two hours a day in prayer. That's, that's, that's hard. My friend, um, he says to me, he gives 10% of his day to, in prayer. And I'm like, that's quite a challenge. He gets up at 4.30 a.m. every morning, prays for two hours, goes to work, comes back and prays for 40 minutes. That's discipline right there. But see, the thing is, sometimes we as believers, we want to be, we want to grow immediately. But for those of you who know, for those of you who do gardening, and I don't, but I've been told because my granddad does, if you want to do gardening and you want that plant to grow in the right way, if you wanted a tree to grow in the right way, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to give it time, you're going to have to care for it. Sometimes that means it takes hours and years for the smallest seed to grow and then you have to chop it back down to nothing to help it grow again and it grows bigger and then chop it down again and it grows bigger and bigger and bigger until it grows into the big tree. To grow from that small mustard seed to the biggest tree, it takes time. And sometimes, I think it's part of the culture that we're in, we want everything now. If I wanted something now, I could just go on Amazon. Obviously, I wouldn't write now because I'm speaking. Uh, go on Amazon and get it and I could get it when I tomorrow morning if I wanted. We get everything there, but actually in the kingdom of God, we have to have perseverance and we have to have patience and we have to keep plodding on, keep going on, because it takes time. See, we want to go from A to Z just like that, but God's like, okay, I want you to go from A to B. And I want you to go A plus one, A plus two, A plus three, A plus four, A plus five, until you reach to B. That takes time, and then he's like, okay, I'll take you from B to C. I'll take you from B to C. You don't just start by praying two hours a day, you start by the 10 minutes a day. If you, if you, if you went on a ship today, you went on a cruise from Southampton to New York, and you, were, you, you went around Cornwall and you went past Ireland and you were going towards New York, if the ship settings was off by just a millimetre and they turned the big wheel, I don't know the specific name for the big wheel, the what? The, the hell. The, yeah, okay. That thing. If they turn it by just one millimeter in the wrong direction, in the, in the long term, you could end up in Canada. Because the small, smallest directions. Friends, if we want to grow in Jesus, it's going to have to be step by step by step by step by step. And if you want to be, in, in five years' time, if you want to be a leader of church, if you want to be planted, if you want to be preaching, if you want to be doing all these great things for God, friends, let me, let me say, it starts by, with five minutes a day. It starts with five minutes a day. Because we plant now, and remember we look with an eternal perspective, we reap a harvest in 10, 15 years' time. We are, we are called by God to be disciples to read the Bible for maybe 10 minutes a day, to pray, pray for 10 minutes a day, to praise for 10 minutes a day, that ends up in 30 minutes. That 30 minutes. 
30 minutes a day, just over like that. If you started 30 minutes a day, what you will have now, you will reap in five years' time when you pray two out three hours a day. I, I remember I go to this church in Blackheath, and there's a guy who always comes up to me, and he's one of these really intimidating guys who always gets right in your face. You know the type of people, and you're like, no, 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 like this. And the first time, one of the first times I ever preached, I preached there, and I was really nervous, and I just went, and I preached as quick as I could to get off the platform to, to get down because I was really nervous and all this. And last time. Which said, you know, um, you've really improved in preaching and all this. I'm like, well, it's not really hard because that was really bad the first time. But the, but the key is this. I don't think I've improved in my preaching. What I think I've changed is my prayer life. And because of my prayer life's change, it's overflowed into my preaching. It's that simple. Now, you guys, God wants us. The gospel, the kingdom of God requires us to have a changed life. The kingdom of God wants us to be, yes, and amen, totally in, totally changed, radically changed for the kingdom. And it starts step by step. And then when we do that, we can grow other people. And how do we grow other people? Well, we just teach them to do what you've just done. If we had a poll in here, poll in here and I'm not going to ask because I think we've got too many polls over the past 12 months in the UK, but... Um, if we had a poll in here, poll in here if, of the kids, if you supported your team because one of your parents told you to support that team and because they were, they were supported that team, you would probably support that team as well because that's just a natural thing. See, we know exactly how to make disciples, we just don't do it. We know exactly how to make disciples of Manchester United and Wolverhampton Wonders. If I ever have kids, I'll tell you, if they come home as Liverpool fans, they're out that door. And um, um, uh, every single time, like, we know how to make disciples, but we don't do it. But discipleship is easy. It's teaching people what we already know. It's teaching people to get in the Word, to pray every day, to praise every day, and to tell other people. That's discipleship right there. God calls us to go into the world... And he calls us to grow ourselves and grow other people. And I really want to encourage you, friends, witnessing is not, not scary. And when you do grow, you know the greatest witness is a changed life. The greatest witness is a changed life. Why did you swear then when you didn't swear then? Because I've changed, because of Jesus. Let's make evangelism easy by being devo devoted Disciplined disciples of Jesus. Let that seed that was planted in us when we first came a believer, let it be watered by the Holy Spirit through his word, through the prayer closet, through worship. Let it grow into the biggest tree so that all the people around will see the glory of God through you. So Father, I just thank you for your message. I thank you, Jesus, that you are awesome. I thank you, Jesus, that you died and you rose again for us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth to show us how to be disciples. Father God, I pray that the, the young people in here, the older people in here, the, 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 everyone in here, Lord Jesus, they would grow to be great disciples of you. And they would be obedient to your command to go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus. To see this 
this community, their Jerusalem, transformed by the power of the gospel, working through them. And Father God, I pray that they would have a new anointing, Lord Jesus, a new awareness of the all authority that has been given to them. God, would you give them a new awareness of your Holy Spirit. God, would you give them a new, a new filling of your Holy Spirit to go out into all the world and see Netherton changed in Jesus' name. God, we want to pray for the community of Netherton to come to know Jesus. We want to pray for those, for our work colleagues, our, 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 our friends and our families to come to know Jesus so that we can bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name.